Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. And well, we're coming into this, it's a two-week series, uh, sermon series. And behind me, if you can say, you know, it's called Urban Gospel. Um, some of you may read that and think, yeah, I get that. And I hope you do. Um, I think this is a simple message to understand, but the, it's, the topic is quite complex. It's a difficult type of topic um, because it, it deals with people. It deals with us. Um, in the sermon series, Urban Gospel, it's a two-week one. Um, you know, it's called Urban Gospel because as Christians, uh, you and I, we all live here in the city, right? The great south. Or some come from the wider parts of Auckland City itself. And we need to learn and maybe be reminded, if we already know this, that the church, you know, being one of the key answers to our community. The church is a place where people can find true peace when going through personal struggles, uh, joy in times of worshiping together like we were doing uh, when we first walked in and what we're doing right now, and worshiping in one accord. Some of you may have friends that used to be Christians. Some of you probably have a lot of friends that have no interest in being a Christian. And that's the world that we live in today. You know, uh, in the early, early years here in New Zealand, 90% was said that it was, it was a Christian nation. And today that has dropped dramatically to about under 40%. So even as I, I'm, I was going to say stand here, even as I sit here on, you know, up here on stage and speak on, on different topics every week, certain topics, some of you may get offended on those topics, or maybe not. And you think, and, and think that I, you know, I might be culturally sensitive or insensitive. You know, topics such as abortion and, and how Christians should react to that. Same-sex marriage, is it a good or bad thing for Christians to stand up against or not? Even talking about sex in church in general, especially in this church, right? I mean, because many of us that sit in this room come from traditional church upbringings. So the topic of sex, you didn't grow up, you know, talking about sex at home as a, at the, you know, as a family over dinner. I'm sure you get knocked out. <laughs> Mom, dear, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, as a family over dinner, and especially not in church. Yet, hear me here. Those very topics just mentioned is what is happening outside of these church walls, in our community, in our jobs, at work, in our schools, amongst our family and friends, who have no interest in God, but have personal views of these topics just mentioned and many more other conflicting topics. Living out a Christian culture is hard outside of these Christian walls that we sit in. And so we Christians are all in conflict with each other because even some of us here, some of us and our Christian cultural ideas of what God wants for us, some of us may not agree with each other's views, on how we should live like followers of Jesus outside of these walls. I wish we could all agree on the same thing. 
you know, Christian life would be so much easier if we all agreed on the same thing, wouldn't we? Why, why do we Christians bother being Christians? Why are my non-believing friends and family not interested in following my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ? And I look at them and I think, man, there is so much more that God wants to do in your life, but you just don't see it. Yet they look at me and they're saying, man, dude, I have no interest in following a God like yours that doesn't care for the community I live in. The population of New Zealand, it's, I think it's estimated around 4.95 million people. The population in Auckland itself is now, I think, 1.6 million people. But did you realize that the population of Southside is just over 550,000 people. Now, I hope by letting you know some numbers of our population here, I haven't even gotten into the different breakdown of age groups, ethnicities and cultures and so forth. There is so much diversity that fills this beautiful place of South Auckland. And at the same time, this diversity is what we are called to live in and enjoy life in God's way and obedience. So this is the community we are called to live in. And so we need to have an understanding of what an urban gospel looks like for us as Christians representing Jesus in a non-Christian environment. This is the thing you and I have to deal with outside of these Christian wars. I have the privilege to talk to you briefly today about an urban gospel. What is an urban gospel? Well, my definition of an urban gospel is this. It is making the gospel of Jesus relevant to the community you are part of, which is guided by the Holy Spirit. I think we call it the warrior spirit out here in the Great South. You know, about 600 years before Jesus was even born, the city of Jerusalem, this is where King David established the Israelite kingdom and his son, King Solomon, built the temple of God. This city of Jerusalem was eventually attacked and fell to this new kingdom in power, the Babylonians. And as the city of Jerusalem fell, thousands of Israelites were then taken from their homes and were spread out to live in the nation of Babylon. And the whole point of spreading the Israelites amongst the city of Babylon was so that the Israelites would eventually, right, adapt this new lifestyle they were now living in. And therefore, with the hope of losing their Israelite culture and beliefs, they would now take on a new life in Babylonian ways. The Israelites, who were once this great, grand nation, have now become a small minority of people spread out in a new foreign nation with a new culture and with new gods. And as time went by, there were some Israelites that stood up, stood up against Babylon and refused their ways and resisted them, whereas other 
Israelites, they gave in to the Babylonian culture, accepting their new gods and making them their own. It seemed there were that these were the, the two options for God's chosen people to live in this foreign land, either by fighting against the beliefs and culture of Babylon so they wouldn't lose being God's chosen people, or they just chose to live in the ways of Babylon, forgetting their roots and where they came from. But along comes this person, right, who gives another option on how the Israelites could live. And this guy's name, his name is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah gives the Israelites a different perspective on how to live in Babylon. And this is what the Lord tells Jeremiah to actually tell the Israelites to do. And this is what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city of Babylon. Pray to the Lord of, uh, for, for Babylon because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so, this is what many of the Israelites choose to do. Some, choo you know, some chose not to fight against the Babylonian culture or worship Babylonian gods. These particular Israelites chose not to live in the Babylonian ways, but they chose to do, what they chose to do was seek peace and seek prosperity in the city. Why, why would God allow Israel to go through something like this? Well, the first reason is because the Israelites in their history of success had unfortunately drifted away from obeying God. Let me tell you, based from personal experience, okay, whenever you drift away from living in God's obedience, and begin living in disobedience, man, God cannot let it pass by and let us get away with it. When we sin and continue on sinning and think nothing of it, there is event eventually going to be some consequences that you and I will face if we keep choosing to live that way. I mean, if my very own two sons are misbehaving, and they are both teenagers now. So it's a whole new ball game in our house. He's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, if they are misbehaving, I am not going to let that pass by and keep allowing them to misbehave. That is just bad parenting. And that is not going to help my sons grow up being respectful of this community. So as the Israelites slowly forget about living in the obedience of God because their kingdom was very prosperous, over time they did not fear God anymore in the way they used to. And as they began to live their own lives in their own success, sin comes in 
and runs wild in the culture that used to be a culture of following the ways of God. That's the first reason. The second reason why God would allow the Israelites to go through this is because God was expanding his kingdom here on earth using the people that he chose, the Israelites, to be the prime examples of how to live by worshiping one God. Worshiping one God and not drift away from worshiping multiple gods that the Babylonians were used to do or used to doing. Now, they had to do that by living amongst the Babylonians and serve the Babylonians, but by doing it in a fearless way, in a fearless way of not compromising their loyalty to worshiping the one true God. So by living how, you know, Jeremiah encouraged the Israelites to seek peace and seek prosperity in the city of Babylon, God is able to bless the unity of the Israelites for not drifting away from following him. This Bible story just shared is a good example for us that live here in the great south, in the greater Auckland city. We all occupy, occupy jobs in so many different areas of expertise. I mean, there are social workers, there are youth workers, there are different types of engineers in here, there are cleaners, there are warehouse and storeman workers, there are lawyers, nurses, uh, teachers from new entrant to high school, there are truck drivers, bus drivers, administrators, there are self-employed business owners, there are full-time vocational ministers like myself in here, there are personal trainers, uh, there are stay-home parents, there are daycare and early childhood educators. I mean, we have students still in school and at tertiary education, IT workers, there are cooks and chefs. We have amazing cooks, by the way. You know, we have mechanics. There are, are those who work in retail and community workers. There are artists, musicians. The list goes on. And just like the city of Babylon and how the Israelites were spread out on purpose, right, to strategically make them lose their identity as God's chosen people? Man, God tells them instead to live within that culture and seek peace and prosperity in that place. This is how you and I are supposed to live here in this city. We are to seek peace and seek prosperity here in the great south and the greater Auckland city. It's funny. Just this week, right, on Friday, I was walking back from uh, the MIT campus in Manukau. Uh, Leo and Fee were there. Um, and I, I w as I walked through the shopping mall from the campus to head towards, you know, back to my car, man, I was walking behind a bunch of people, these young ones, and one of them is eating McDonald's, and as they are walking, this particular person drops her rubbish on the ground. Now, as I'm walking along, there's an older gentleman. He sees this girl drop her rubbish. And this older gentleman, you know, he's not part of their group. But as he runs over, he picks up the rubbish, calls out to her. And while, while handing her rubbish back to her, he says, oh, 
uh, excuse me, but you dropped this. I think it belongs to you. Now the girl grabs it, right, from this old gentleman and says, I know I dropped it, and throws it again, back on the ground. And all her group of friends just walk off laughing at this old man. Man, no one can do anything because this girl and her group of friends, they don't care, and they're intimidating to everyone standing around, except for me. Now, everything, no, everyone is watching me at this time as this girl and group of friends are walking away and this has just happened right in front of my eyes. My eyes. And so, as I am this close to walking up behind and putting a rear naked choke on her so I could leave her sleeping next to her very own rubbish, in a split second, I divert my stupidity of thinking and as if everyone is watching me, oh, he's the island boy, he's the island kid, he's going to get in there. I turn around and I pick up the rubbish and I put it in the trash can that that girl walks by. Did I let her get away with it? No, I, I, didn't, I don't believe I did. What I did do was I think I set the example of how God wanted me to respond in front of everyone watching. I tell you, I had to jump in my car and leave. Because I felt like, should I follow them? Find them in the dark, you know, dark alley where no one can see me and I'll deal with them there? Have I done that before? Never. <coughs> Seek the peace and prosperity of the city of Babylon. Pray to the Lord for Babylon because it if it prospers, you too will prosper. I mean, that may be a random story, but let me say this. You and I are called to live fearlessly by not compromising our loyalty to worshiping the one true God and the obedience he calls us to live by. And let me tell you, now in confidence, you cannot do it alone. We have a particular kind of community that we do this with, and it is called the church. Well, Taulu, I don't do church because I don't trust the people who go there. <laughs> or, you know, church are just full of hypocrites that have no love for others but themselves. Uh, that may be true. <laughs> the church is not perfect, but either way, God believes in us. Matthew 5.14, Jesus said that our community is the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. And when Jesus comes into the picture, right, the empire who ruled in his time was Rome. And Rome and Caesar was one of their gods that they would worship. Once again, in the Israelite history, some of the Israelites stood up against Rome and refused their ways and resisted them, whereas other Israelites gave in to and adopted the Roman culture and worshipped their gods. 
And Jesus is telling people to be a city on a hill. He is referring to the very thing Jeremiah was telling the Israelites to do 600 years before his birth. Jesus is telling people to love their enemies and bless them. But also, when he says it is a city that cannot be hidden, Jesus sets examples for us by speaking against the corrupt leaders of Jerusalem and Rome right to the point that it cost him his life. Coming back to the city of Babylon. In the Bible, Babylon is a symbol of what a corrupt city looks like when sin runs rampant in that place. And so, in a way, you can compare Babylon to the very sin that runs rampant here in the great south, in the greater Auckland city. The question is, so how are we to represent this urban gospel outside of these Christian walls? Well, let me tell you, this is the very struggle you and I have to live in and live through. What is an urban gospel? It is making the gospel of Jesus relevant to the community you are part of, guided by the Holy Spirit. And I like this quote from a well-known preacher, and, and this is what he says, Christianity will not be attractive enough to gain influence except through sacrificial service to all people, regardless of their beliefs. In every culture, some Christian conduct will be offensive and attacked, but some will be moving and attractive to outsiders. And we must sacrificially serve the common good, expecting to be constantly misunderstood and sometimes attacked. We must walk in the steps of the one who laid down his life for his opponents. That's so cool. We live in this amazing city, right, to serve all the people in it and not just our own people. <laughs> well, Taolu, that is easier said than done. Yes, I know that. And that is why being a follower of Jesus, it requires us to create a place. Listen now. To create a place where non-Christians can also be part of. Now, I do not expect these non-Christians to believe in our God. Maybe not at first, but it, for whatever reason they don't want to follow Jesus, our community should still be a place that will encourage them and help them. And if we can share the urban gospel in this way, I believe we will see non-Christians come into our place not feeling threatened, but instead they will be able to leave sometimes challenged. And even if they do not fully agree with our Christian beliefs, but are drawn closer to an opportunity in knowing more about Christ. The whole point of an urban gospel is so it can bring a whole city, the great south, south side, into these Christian walls rather than just us Christians? Here's a question. Are we ready this year to have 
some exciting and unique type of non-believers come into these Christian walls that you and I belong to. Because some of them may get in your face. They may walk in here and make you feel uncomfortable. But a sinner walking in already knows they're a sinner. Already knows they feel guilty. Some of them are afraid to walk in this place. Will you be willing to bring a person into this community? Even if that person may not be interested in following Jesus, will he learn the urban gospel approach to make them feel welcomed anyway? Also, it's not just about bringing the non-Christians into these Christian walls. Our job as Christians is to create friendships with people in our neighborhoods, in our city, so we can be part of their lives, to remember what it was like living life in our sin when we used to live in Babylon amongst our gods. But now setting the example of how to live with an urban gospel way of life. There is so much to think about when we are trying to represent God at a personal level, to the best of our ability. And as a Christian, you can fall, you know, all of us, we can fall into the trap of believing that it will be impossible to reach this city for Jesus, the city considered to be Babylon <laughs> that you and I live amongst. But we cannot forget to have the eyes of Jesus and how, man, how he had compassion for the city, the great south. And as you think about Southside and the greater Auckland city, you and I, man, we need to pray for even our own hearts to have um, compassion for this place. Why does God telling you as I end right now. What is God saying to you in regards to being a person with an urban gospel approach? Some of you may feel uncomfortable in here because you may think, man, that's a bit radical. That's a bit out there. I don't think everyone's going to agree with me as I talk. Some of you may. The Israelites didn't all agree on, on their views. But don't just, if you don't agree, I don't know if you do or don't, but how about you go away and pray, process it and ask God, okay, if I'm going to reach some people outside and think about others, I'm sure I do, Lord, but what, what more do you want me to do? I, I don't know what God, let him speak to you. It doesn't matter where you are at in your walk. The fact is, is that I'm so blessed that you're here. <laughs> some of you may not have an, an authentic relationship with Jesus, which means to walk in obedience to his ways. And maybe it's time, I, I don't know. <laughs> but those that have walked in God's presence and just, just love God so much, don't you think maybe it's a time for you and I to stop thinking about ourselves and start 
thinking about our friends and our families that deserve to be here too. You know, this, this week I've, I've just had to catch up with so many di- different people that are just lost. I've got a few friends that are not Christian at all asking me questions. And I'm just praying, God, please, come on. <laughs> it's time already. Turn them. But I just trust them. And so I can't sit up here and tell you how to do the urban gospel and I'm not doing it myself. Of course I am. I hope I am. (laughs) I pray that I do. I love it. That's what keeps me alive in this walk for God. That's why it makes it worth it when I see people's lives change. I'm not just trying to preach so that I see... I don't want to be a pastor that preaches and expect people to get saved in here and I've done my job. Nah. My job is more important outside as much as it is in here, equipping and encouraging you all. But when I'm out of these walls, the urban gospel is on for me. I live it. I bleed it. And I love it. So I want to pray for us this morning about this urban gospel approach however you may see this concept. And I want to pray for you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I just...